Welcome to the August 15, 2019 edition of the Science Fiction Club. And since Martin has not been here for a while, I'm going to force him to go first. <laughs> All right. But well, let, me, let me have the Victor Reader read the title. Well, it's called Beyond the Iceland. Oh, I did that book a few months ago. I'm sorry, yeah. Beyond the Ice Limit? Oh, Yes, Douglas yeah, I, Preston and Lincoln Child. Yeah, I, I, I read that. Yeah. I back a few months ago. Uh-huh. I didn't remember. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter. I yeah, mean, that's I'm not okay. trying to discourage you at all. I'm just saying it'll be fun to hear what you thought mm -hmm. about it. You have to let me know if you can remember afterwards which month it was that you did that. I'd like to go in and hear your... I'll have to look it up. Uh, but I can look it up. I know, you know, I have lists, you know, I keep lists of each uh, each uh, meeting of the books we did. So I will, I won't take me long to find it. Okay. So I can, I'll let you know on the email list which yeah, I would like to hear month it. I did it. Okay, go ahead. All right. Well, basically, it, it, it deals with an asteroid that come, that, that lands on Earth. And these people, there's a, a guy who's a, expert in meteorites and then a controlling type there and they want to they want to they transport an asteroid to some i forget where in order to study it and somehow the ship sinks and that asteroid falls into the ocean and when that happens apparently inside the asteroid or the meteorite i should say sorry there's a entity from outer space like that becomes a, a plant and it takes root in the bottom of the ocean. They call it the Baobab. And it grows to an enormous size. And apparently, it begins to spread out. And they think it's gonna, it wants to take over the, the world. So they have the main character in this book. I think it's, he's a, it's a series. who's an atomic specialist. And he's hired by this controlling type guy who runs this um, organization or this... Um, this research group, and they're going out in a research ship to try to destroy this, this entity with the help of this Gideon, who's an atomic expert. In the meantime, um, well, one of the things is when they get to, when they when they get to the area, they, they have these submersibles that go down to examine it, and, and and it looks like, as I say, a huge, almost I guess that's why they call it a baobab because it's a huge tree growing from the bottom of the ocean. But it has a lot of these extensions going out in, 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 into the sea bottom. And somehow, and maybe you can help me on this, Kevin, if you, Evan, if you remember, uh, they took aboard, there were some like these little filaments growing out on the base, and they took some aboard. And somehow, these filaments started to multiply and turned into these worms yeah. that went after all the people, and they penetrated through their nose into their control. Yep. Yep. That's a little far fetched on how that happened, but apparently they were working the will of this entity to try to control the people to prevent them from destroying it. And it was, you know, it was a romance as Gideon was a, another ocean or biologist on board, which he was in, sort of involved with her. And then she went down on a submarine and, and, went, and was captured by the plant. And it turns out one of the things that has it's able to to kidnap the brains. Of, of its victims and, and add them to its mind, you might say. And one of the things that it had was a, was a brain from from another planet or from another solar system that was suffering because it, it realized it was a, it was a, it was 
being parasitized or parasitized by this plant. So in the in the long run, after a lot of you know the worms were taking all over the ship, they were controlling all the people, and there was a, the, the crew um, mutinied, and they almost you know they almost doomed the ship. But in, in the long run, they ended up finally being able to destroy the thing, and at the Oops. same time, they released the brain, or they had access to this this brain from another solar system, but really lovely thoughts and sort of uh, was able to somehow make everything right at the end, I guess. That's, ba that's basically what I can remember to summarize it. I yeah. read this too, and I can't remember the end. I thought they ended up having the whole ship sink or something. That was the ice limit. That was the prequel. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the whole the ship sank up. at the end of the ice limit. Okay. And they okay. went back to destroy that thing because they knew that it went, right. when it went, well, they went back to destroy it. That's right. That's, that's right. And they, well, I, I thought it was great fun, though. Um, I, um, it's like a B movie, you know, it's mm -hmm. not great literature mm -hmm. or anything. And frankly, I didn't care for the Gideon character, but I'm spoiled because I'm, Lissy and I are both fans of uh, Pendergast. Yes. And Gideon he's no is Pendergast. Nothing, <laughs> uh, he's not even close. No, like, he's not. He's not got much character at all to him, yeah. frankly. Uh, but I, well, we still enjoyed the book, nonetheless. I, I have another book, which I'm not going to do next month. I'm just wondering if you read that or familiar with something called Lord of Light. Oh yeah, I read that. I've read that a few times. That's I, I, I really like that book. It's a, it's strange, but it, that's Zelazny. I really like that. Well, book. I'll discuss that next month. Well, okay. Martin, did you like this Beyond the Ice Limit? I did. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was it was very interesting. It was you know exciting, especially with running mm -hmm. uh, those worms all over the ship and just the whole idea of this of this strange plant and everything. Well, and there were some poignant moments. That one guy, the computer tech guy, who was real nerdy. Oh, they wow. thought yeah. he might have been taken over, and yeah, they killed him. And it turned out that he wasn't. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. that was really sad. I, I would recommend um, it. Anyway. Well, the, yeah, oh, they yeah. know they know how to write a good thriller. They're right? really pro they're pros. Yeah. They really yeah. know what they're doing, and they wanted to create a bit of a contrast. I think they even said something at the end of of uh, Beyond the Ice Limit because the 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 ice limit ended on a really dark note. Yeah. And everybody, just about everybody, died. Mm -hmm. And um, so at the end of Beyond the Ice Limit, they got this translation of this, these thoughts from this brain. And it was really, like, really great, you know, positive and uplifting and mm -hmm. kind of transcendentally beautiful cosmic music or something. And they were playing <laughs> it in his office. I, I, I think during the book, during this book, they, were, they actually had some videos of, the, of how that the, the ship, I guess, in the first book sunk. And mm -hmm. he got mm -hmm. there and all that. Right, and so, but it, it was great fun. I enjoyed it, but I enjoy their books quite a bit most of the time. Yeah, I do too. They're uh, very, very good writers. We have a couple of, uh, we have a couple of Pendergast novels to get to. We're always behind, and we kind of like it that way. We don't want to get to the end of them. Yeah. So, when, so we don't read them as fast as they come out, because we want to be, we don't want to say we've done, we, there aren't any left, because mm -hmm. yeah. we really enjoy him. Even in, even the not great ones, we we enjoyed. Yeah. So, anyhow, but that was a, a really great. I uh, you know, as I said, it's like a B movie. It's not right. great literature, but it's fun. You know, it's a thriller. It's not doesn't pretend to be something great as far as you know literature, but it's it was very entertaining and the plot was certainly 
you know, because they, they discovered that they were going to try to nuke it, but they read these, they did these simulations that showed that nuking it wasn't going to work. And so then what do you, what do you do? Well, yeah, in the end, you're in the end. Yeah. But, but they thought it wasn't going to work. I think they got lucky a little bit right. uh, at the end because the submarine was falling, you know, and it fell. And apparently in the right place with the nuke on it, with the submersible. Um, so it worked in the end, but it was uh, very suspenseful. Hey, I'm surprised they haven't made a movie of this. It would be fun if they made it a, like a black and white, like something out of the 50s looking for this movie with a giant plant. How could you go wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't have to modify it much to make no, it a movie. No, you really wouldn't. I mean, you could write it, you could do it pretty much as it was. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe the ending is too positive or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Disney could do it, but Disney wouldn't do it. That Disney, it wouldn't work for them, really. I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't know why a lot of their books weren't made into movies. They all, most of them, seem to work pretty well. Mm -hmm. Or at least I'm surprised a, a mini series on Netflix or something out of the right. Pendergrass books. Yep. Yeah. Right. There's something on Netflix. Yeah. A new series that just came out having to do with aliens, I think. I forget what the name of it is. Mm -hmm. um, there is one called Afterlife. Mm. And, uh, no, we met. Is it that? No, it's not Afterlife. Um, oh, gosh. Eesh. But it's, it's, they, they're going into space, and, and um, yeah, this, this uh, large object lands on Earth, and they go, we watched it, we burned through it in a weekend. It was pretty good, actually. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to go next with your book? Uh, uh, oh, sure. Okay. Um, I read The Accidental Time Machine. Oh, you're the third or fourth person that's read that here. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'm not going to talk about it. I don't have to go into great detail then. Um, okay, so y'all know that Matt... I don't think everybody finished it, though. Sherry, you never finished it. Yeah, did. I think I finished it. Did you it. finish it? I, oh, don't, okay. I don't remember for sure, because I read several Time Machine ones. And I later. think Marshall uh, read it, but I don't think I don't know if he finished it either, and I read it. Okay, I did read it. Uh, so go ahead. No, it's good oh. to get different perspectives on it. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Um, so. The Exit Time Machine. Okay, the author on that is um, Joe Holderman. Holderman. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's narrated by Kevin Free. At seven hours, 56 minutes long. And the DB is, um, DB is 93501. Okay, so this is a uh, grad student. Matt Fuller is the main character. Um, and he's kind of dropped out. He's working for a professor on this quantum calculator, and he, he um, starts noticing that the machine, like, vanishes. The first time it happens, it's only gone for a few seconds. The second time, it's a few minutes. So he starts paying attention, and he notices that each time this happens, of course, he's the only one around that sees it, right? So the professor, he goes to get the professor that he's working for, and the professor thinks he's crazy. The professor's last name is Marsh. We're just going to call him that. Um, anyway, as it goes on, um, you know, Matt gets more and more curious. He does the calculations. He figures out that you know, for each time this machine disappears, he can calculate exactly how long it will be gone for, 
and when it will return. Um, he also starts getting curious as to whether or not he puts something on that, you know, attaches something to the time machine. Will that disappear with it? And it does, and it comes back. <clears throat> In the meantime, his girlfriend breaks up with him. And so, you know, Matt's kind of a down-and-out grad student with, you know, a mother that's like, what are you going to do with your life kind of thing. So he decides that he's going to, you know, take a ride on this, this time machine. Um, what he discovers is he can't go back. There's not the technology to bring you back, so he has to keep jumping ahead in time. And, and I, I, he jumps a few years into the future, and he finds out that the professor that fired him <clears throat> is taking credit for this time machine um, and that um, the person that got hired to do Matt's job was a student that Matt actually graded papers for and that same student is now married to Matt's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so it, it's crazy. Okay. So Matt decides to keep jumping. He gets into some trouble because he lands this stolen car that belonged to the guy. He, he needed something comfortable to, to get himself transported in the time machine. So he gets this um, fancy red, and I can't remember the exact model of it, but he, he, he uses that as his time machine. Okay, cause it's a silly book. <laughs> it, there's silliness, it's fun. Um, but anyway, he lands in... Uh, like nine years down the road or approximately that, um, only to discover that the person that he got the car from ended up dying like right after he left. So he's now accused of his murder because he's caught with his stolen, very expensive sports, you know, this car that he's using. So he has to get out of that. So he jumps forward in the nick of time. He ends up um, <clears throat> in a, in a um, theatocracy. You know, it's it's a, part of time where it's several hundred years into the future and um, anyway he, he meets this woman there this girl, young, young girl and she is very attracted to him, they stay together um, several things happen so they make another time jump, she goes with him and they keep having to jump through time because they're, they're, what their goal is, is to keep jumping into the future hopefully to get to a time where there's enough technological advancement that they've figured out how to travel back in time. Um, things happen to them. They actually, I'm, I'm not going to go into this, stuff. They, they do actually make it back in time, but not to either one of theirs time. Um, it's interesting. They, they end up mm, about oh, roughly... 100, about, a, about maybe 150 years or so before his time, they stay together. And, and what's interesting is, is they're going back to that time in the late 19th century as MIT is just, just being built. Um, uh, Matt is able to impress them with all of his knowledge, of course. So he ends up getting a professor job at MIT. Um, and, uh, he and um, his wife Martha um, stay together, and they live a very long, happy life and have children. And I don't want well, you read it, so you know that that yeah. eventually down the line, one of their great great grandchildren actually is the Marsh guy that ends up stealing 
his his time machine and I don't know. Right. So I found the book kind of confusing um, at times. I actually had to go back and read parts of it twice. Uh, and some of it was probably a little bit beyond my, you know, some of the, the explanations um, were just a little confusing to me. Um, it wasn't the best time story that I ever read, but I made it through it. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it was okay. It was okay. It was there were some funny parts of it, and there were some parts that I wish that they hadn't gone into such detail on about, like you know, s- certain bodily functions in no gravity. You know, <laughs> I, like, I don't need to know about that. You know. <laughs> so, well, each time jump right. is uh, about ten, uh, about eleven or twelve times as far as the previous one. Right. So he goes millions of years in the future eventually. Yes. But before yeah. that, he meets an AI in the 34th century or the 43rd century or whatever it is. Right. And she wants to go with him and she can help him, she says, you know, because things, you know, it's really not safe. The, the time machine not only goes forward in time, but it moves over time. Oh. I forgot to put that. Oh. Yes. Eventually, that's why he ends up in the middle of the highway after he jumps forward, you know, a few thousand years or whatever. And he eventually goes out into space because, you know, the time machine jumps so far ahead, hundreds of thousands of years ahead, he ends up. So this AI helps him to build, you know, get a spacecraft and so on. And so anyway, that's just a detail. They finally get to a point in the future where... One of his, see, actually, he had other, um, you know, somebody actually helped him when he was charged with murder. Somebody actually helped him get out of jail. Um, So he knew that some point, at some point, he'd be able to get back because who else would help him except somebody that knew him? And it was probably him. So, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good book. I would have liked it better if he had but he had spent a little more time in the future because you know i would have liked i like that kind of thing but mm-hmm. he only gave us little brief glimpses of right more distant futures i thought I, haldeman has disappointed me on more than one occasion i mean i keep expecting better and i keep get i guess i should learn but i still try Seems yeah like I, i've read some of his books that i really liked but mm-hmm. I, i'm glad you told us what how it turned out liz because i even though I read this not all that long ago, I didn't remember how it ended. Yeah. What's, what's the name well, it's called the accidental yeah. time travel time machine. Uh, time the machine. accidental time Sorry. machine. Yeah, yeah that's okay. Machine. Yeah, and you know, I enjoyed him though with the AI though in the in the theocracy at MIT or whatever they, they it was called Theosophy actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, there was actually an AI ruling over them, and he actually got to talk to it, and he kind of smarted off, and the AI almost killed him. Uh, but he got a, he got away from it though. The AI wanted him to destroy the time machine, but right. Yeah, uh, he didn't. He managed to escape with uh, Martha. He had to teach. She was a bit naive and a little religious. <laughs> indoctrinated but he well, sure because of the time changed her he, he managed to get her to um flex a little more flexible after a while mm-hmm. um so it had some good points to it uh it was you know i'd give it about a seven or six out of ten maybe what would you give uh, it liz 
Um, well, I, I was thinking, you know, three, three and a half on a five point scale. So yeah, and again, I, I found it a little confusing at times. I did too. I think it, for me, uh, it was a little too sciencey in spots. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's my Well, book. Sherry. And I'm sticking go over. Well, okay. I am guessing oh, that that you may not have read this one, Evan. We'll see. Okay. But it's called Scythe by Neil Shusterman. No. Oh, good. Um, it has an interesting premise. The premise is that in the current world, somewhere way in the future, AIs run the world. And because AIs run the world, no one dies because they've cured everything. And mm -hmm. because no one dies, there's a population issue. So okay. there's this group of people called scythes whose job it is to kill people. And they each have a quota. They have to kill, I forget, a couple hundred people a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be apprenticed into this. And these scythes are recognized. They dress a certain way and everybody recognizes them and they get free food wherever they go. But everybody, you know, runs away because they're afraid, oh, they're coming for me and blah, blah, blah. And the scythes have a lot of um, leeway as to how they can kill people and who they can pick. And you have some good scythes who are very, there's one woman who, the way she operates is she looks for people who look like they've given up and are ready to go. And then you have a bad guy who revels in the killing and he tends to store up his quota and then go on a massacre, like at a oh, building or something, he and his cronies. And the main characters in the book are Citra and Rowan, two teenagers who are apprenticing to become scythes. And if you become a scythe, your family is immune for, for life or whatever, as long as you live. Oh. You can also grant immunity to people for a year if you chose to. If you, yeah, if you kill somebody, I think their family is also granted immunity for a certain period of time. So it's really a good premise, but it was, uh -oh. yeah, it was a young adult book. And it was, you would, you would know it if you read it, that it was a young adult book. There was a little bit of a romantic feeling between these two apprentices and the bad guy managed to set it up that whichever one of you wins and becomes a scythe has to kill the other one. Oh! And, <laughs> and how they decide to, you know, get around that. And it's actually a series, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to. Not going to go for it. No. no. Okay. I, I know the guy's name. Yeah. But I don't know any, you know, no. about him. But I've heard his, I've seen his name before. It reminded me of an old book by Piers Anthony called On a Pale Horse, which I loved, mm. which was oh. a, about a guy who became the god of death, mm. and he had to decide um, what happened to people after they died. He had to weigh their souls or something and weigh their good mm. and evil. And mm. Oh, wow. It brought okay. up lots of interesting moral dilemmas and complications like this book did not. Well, I don't know if there's if these are. I don't think these were new books, but Bard just put up. I don't know how often you check. They just put up some Xanth books not too long ago. Well, this wasn't part of the Xanth it's, series. I know. I was just thinking. But I know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I saw those. Yeah, I started reading that series. I've never. It was okay. I, I actually, it had a lot of humor in it. I think I was listening to someone else read it one time long <laughs> ago, and the writing just sounded so bad. I. I, I, yeah, I don't I remember like that. that. It was uh, oh. kind of, there was a lot of sexist stuff in there yeah. that I found eye-rolling, but, but yeah. the uh, On a Pale Horse I thought was pretty good. I read all of that series, The Gods, I forget what that series is called. There was one about Mars mm -hmm. and how he dealt with war and stuff. So I liked that a lot better than this one. But. Yeah. 
But gee, I'm already up already. Yep. I'm the last one. Well, I am reading a trilogy. I'm, I'm, I'm a little partway through the second book, so I'm not going to talk about that. Except well, next month I'll talk about the second book, maybe. Unless I read something. We'll see. I'm reading the Confluence Trilogy by Paul McCauley. The first one is called Child of the River. And they're on Bookshare and Publisher Quality. They're not on Bard. Bard has some of his books, but they don't have these. Um, so I've been, I finished Child of the River last week. Uh, the second one is called Ancients of Days, and the third one's called Shrine of Stars. And Child of the River is, it, in this book, you don't get all the information about what's going on for, you know, even in the first book. You get, you get the idea. This is set uh, millions of years in the future. It's on a world, an artificial world with a big river in it. It's about 1,000 miles long and 20,000 miles it's about 20,000 miles long and 1,000 miles wide. And there's a big river going down, you know, the middle of it. And there are all these different, different kinds of people. They're called bloodlines. They're, there's a saying by, the, you know, the 10,000 bloodlines. There might be that many, but there are a lot of people. They look very different. They're not radically different, but, they, you know, they have different, you know, uh, hands and arms. And some of them have tusks and... Some of them have webbed feet, you know, so they, they can swim, you know, they're, they're, they're genetically different. And they were supposedly created by these advanced humans. See, this is 10 million years ago. So even, you know, long ago, there were humans who were really advanced called the preservers. And they supposedly, and I'm saying supposedly a lot because there's a lot of mythology and there's religious worship of these people by, you know, of the preservers by, um, you know, most of the people. So it's hard to know which is myth. It's going to be cleared up. Um, I've read some reviews uh, of the later books, so I didn't get a lot of, I didn't get spoilers, especially for Shrine of Stars. I've got reviews, but I didn't get a lot of information, but all is cleared up eventually. And it is open, you know, overtly science fictional. But, um, but supposedly the preservers created this world and then they vanished into, um, a black hole or transcended in some other way that they're no longer around. But well, the main focus is on a character named Yama who was found in a boat by a constable who works for the city, uh, one of the cities, and he's got uh, machines, little machines flying around him, and his uh, the woman, he's, he's lying with her, she is dead, and so the constable picks up this baby and the machines fly around a little bit and then they take off. And so then we see him as a teenager and we already learned that he's able to control some of the machines. You know, they're, some of them are very advanced. There's a lot of nanotech and AI and stuff around, but, but a lot of it's kind of wrapped around with myths and some people can use it and some people can't. And so he's learning to control the machines, but he doesn't know, you know, much about his own abilities. But some other people think they know or, or actually do know. That's one of those things we're not sure about. But they uh, kidnap him and uh, want him to participate in a war that's going on downriver between the heretics and the uh, present uh, government. And 
So he manages to escape. He gets help, mysterious help, uh, at times when he's in deadly peril. Uh, or he discovers a new power, you know, because he's, you know, he's gradually learning to control more and more, and he's gradually learning about. But they aren't telling him what he is or what he's capable of. And But he finally finds out that he is one of the ancestors of the bloodlines. He might be one of the preservers or, 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 or created by them. Um, or he might be uh, uh, a creator uh, created by the so-called ancients of days, who are the heretics. We don't know yet. And, but people want him to, they want to use him. So he's escaped and he's in the city now. And he wants to find out who his, you know, who his ancestors really were. If he has a bloodline, you know, because just about everybody has a bloodline. You know, they, they knew who they are. They knew who their, you know, their parents were and what, what they look like. But he doesn't seem to have, nobody else looks like him. So... Uh, we're at the end of the first book and beginning of the second book, and he's in the big, the biggest city in the, on the on the world now, and he is in the palace of the memory of the people. It's called where suppose he may be able to find records of his um, of his ancestry, or you know, um, so. Uh, but there's a lot of adventures. You know, people. Some people tried to kill him. And he manages, he does actually know how to fight. He was trained, he was educated by, you know, the leader of, the, of a smaller city called the Edil, who adopted him as his son. And so he's educated to some extent, um, though in many ways, as, as somebody else pointed out, he, there's many things that he doesn't know yet. He didn't, you know, he didn't learn a lot of science and stuff like that. So the second book, it, there, there is a... Um, it's not overtly religious, and it's not like Christian or, or Jewish or whatever, but it's like, you know, like uh, Dune, you know, where, you know, he's like uh, uh, a guy who, you know, like Paul, who, who gradually learns his powers, and he gradually takes charge of things. And this is somewhat like that, because as he gradually gets, you know, he gradually learns how to control more and more of the, the vast uh, advanced machinery around you know the uh, of, uh, on this confluence is the name of the of the name of this world where uh, you know that's why it's the confluence trilogy. Um, then he gets more and more in charge of things. But um, so he is either going to you know there's the the basic doctrine of the division is uh, whether the world should be preserved as it is or whether the bloodline should be allowed to evolve and change and that is the fundamental question. Uh, supposedly the heretics want things to change. Uh, they want, they want people to be able to evolve and grow and improve themselves and, you know, transcend their condition. A lot of them live in real squalor. I mean, some people have, you know, really advanced technology, but a lot of these people live in slums and huts. Mm -hmm. that they don't have a lot of advanced tech. They don't have much of anything. They live, you know, in utter squalor. So there's a lot of class division and and there's quite a lot of repression also. Um, you know, if there's a riot or something, you know, you can you can send in these little tiny insectile machines and just you know kill everybody, um, or, or or discourage them. If, if if I mean you could kill them, you know, with 
even more advanced. I mean, your energy weapons, you know, and all kinds of stuff like that. It's like, it's not as well written, I wouldn't say, as the book of the New Sun, which I really liked. It doesn't have quite that Baroque feel to it. But it's got a similar feel in some ways. He's got, you know, some of the weapons are ancient, you know, um, you know, they, some of them use knives, and uh, there's something called an arbalest, which I meant to look up, but I didn't. Uh, and there's, you know, there are other, uh, and, but some of the knives, but see, here's the thing, the interesting thing, some of the weapons that look primitive, like he found a knife that actually has capabilities more than just a regular knife. It actually has a small AI in it um, that can become loyal to him, and it can draw energy from things. If you, like, leave it out in the sun all day, it can it can kind of project itself a little farther or it can, you know, it can, it can create images to trick people. It can do all kinds of little things like that. Um, so, you know, things are, you know, it, there's all kinds of technology just all over the place, but most people don't, don't have a lot of access to it. So it's really interesting. I like it a lot. There's some issues with the writing, uh, but they're really minor. It seems like sometimes he doesn't describe a scene until he needs you know, until he needs to, like, you know, the, he was in a room because he was, he had a bad experience with a, with a VR helmet or, or a crown. He was trying to talk to somebody and they didn't want to talk to him and they gave him a headache, a bad one. <laughs> and uh, so he was laid up for a couple of days and he was in a room and he, he goes to the window to watch this procession out the window. And we don't find out till many pages later that the room doesn't have, you know, the there's there's only a few pieces of furniture like he doesn't really describe the room until you know he needs something in it you know what i mean like a mm -hmm. something and then he tells us there's only a few pieces of furniture in the room he doesn't really give us a good look at it things like that or he'll be in the middle of a conversation and then he'll say you know like page a couple of pages later then he'll say where it is what they're doing you know where they are and what the place looks like hmm. Kind of minor stuff like that, I guess, but it still bugs me because I don't always feel like I'm present, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's a minor issue. I like the book. I, I really am looking forward to where it's going to go because, you know, he's going to get more and more capable as things go on, and we're going to get a better idea as to what the real conflict is. And um, we've already seen, you know, some of the ships, you know, uh, there are void ships that come and mine, you know, that mine uninhabited worlds and bring material to confluence and you know you can see them uh the the sailors who are on them aren't people at all you know and they live in a like a mindscape they're they're kind of a they're they're on a different plane altogether almost one of them was a rogue and he was starting to distribute forbidden technology to the you know to the people on confluence because there are supposedly limits um of technology that and so they had to go, he, he joined this company to help find out who his ancestors were, and he thought the sailor could tell him. So he joined, you know, they were supposed to kill him, though, or bring him back. And that was that was interesting, because he did find out a couple things. But, um, so there's three books. I'm just a little bit into the second book. I'm really excited about it, though. I like this kind of far future stuff when it's done well. You know, I, I spend most of my time here on Earth listening to news, and oh, yeah. uh, reading about what's going on, you know, uh, reading about what's going on right now. There are times when I want, you know, something really far away, exactly. and very no, distant in time and space. And this really is, you know, uh, this was written back in the 90s. So it's been around quite a while.
Um, Bookshare has, as I said, they have all three of them in publisher quality. Um, so, you know, if you like that kind of thing, you might want to give it a try. Uh, if you're, if you want something really, uh, far out and, uh, uh, not connected with earth, they do mention, I mean, actually, I don't remember if they mentioned earth at all. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's my book, Child of the River by Paul McCauley. You mentioned that um, some groups wanted to use this guy. Does that mean there's a lot of conflict between the various bloodlines and some want to use him to make their point? Some want to use him to fight for the heretics, mm-hmm. you know, who supposedly want to evolve, who want the bloodlines to be able to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they kidnapped him and supposedly um, they, uh, they, want, they want him to use his abilities to fight for them. That's why they wanted to use him. It's interesting. Uh, and his father wanted him to be a clerk, mm-hmm. so he gave him to this guy to take him to the city to work for this department um, uh, in the vast governmental bureaucracy that runs, you know, the, the world. And he didn't want to do that at all, so he slips away and escapes. But he, he tried to escape once, and the guy, you know, got him back and said, "The next time you do that, I'm, you know, I'm gonna." I'm going to make you regret it, but so um, yeah, they the the people who want to use him are the ones who they want him to fight for the so-called heretics. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, he's escaped from them right now. He's not. He's on his own. Nobody's using him right now. But uh, from what I hear, uh, maybe I shouldn't say. From what I hear, he he uh, does meet some of those people again. So well, it's kind of interesting that. The heretics are the ones that want to evolve. Usually it's heretics that want to keep everything the same. <laughs> well, yeah, see, the conservatives, you know, the, the, the so-called, those who think they know the will of the preservers want to keep things the same. They're mm-hmm. the conservatives. Mm. And it's just like, it, you know, in religions on earth, you know, the heretics are usually the liberals, you know. The well, that's right. Yeah, that's you're right. Want to you're break, right. You don't want to reform things or revolutionize things. But you would think evolution would be a natural or even thing. challenge. Well, they don't. They don't yeah. evolve. They've been the same for a long, long time. I don't know how long. As I said, we don't know everything. Yeah, yeah. Or how they manage to not evolve. How yeah. they manage to not evolve, right. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, we're going to find out, uh, according to one review that was very good but didn't spoil anything, all is made clear in the final mm-hmm. book. All, okay. all mysteries are revealed. Okay. Um, a, further, a further review of it when you finish the three? Oh sure, I'll talk about the next one at the next meeting, and and perhaps you know if I finish the one, I hope to because I'm really enthused, so I'm not going to let it stall. You know, uh-huh. I do that occasionally. I'll I'll pick up a book and then I'll look at my pack mate like six months later, and it's like I haven't read this for six months. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens. Yeah, I always have more books going than I should. I just yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like starting new books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, guys, it's nine, it's been, you know, I, I, I enjoyed having all of, you know, I'm sorry, Roger, he knew, I'm sorry, Roger didn't make it. He knew we were having the meeting on the 15th, so I hope he didn't forget. Hmm, People people do get into a habit of, uh, you know, thinking, but he wasn't here last week either, the way Martin, see, I got an email last month saying that Martin was here, but I didn't Uh get any emails this month saying that anybody was here. Yeah. So, Sherry, you got away with it. 
I'm bad. surprised. I, after I signed in, I thought, oh, man, I was going to wait till 5 till. <laughs> so you didn't get an email. No, but, I didn't get an email this time. I don't know. Zoom is, I don't know. Well, they're not always consistent about things. I don't know why that is. But hopefully I'll get the email about the recording. Yeah. I always get that. I always get that. So, um, well, you guys, our next meeting will be on, we're going to go back to the second Thursday uh, again, since that's the usual time and nobody's traveling or nobody's going to conventions next month. So we're going to go back to, what is that? September the 12th. The 12th. Yes, yeah. 2019. 